Hi, this is John Griffin from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and you are listening to the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Hello, hockey fans from around the world. I am Richard Cote, the producer of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. It is the second line edition of the podcast, and you know what that means. Yes, listeners, it means that you can save 15% off your merchandise at the Chicago Wolves Merchandise Store. Head over to chicagowolvesstore.com, enter in code PHN15 to get yourself 15% off one of the sweetest logos in sports. Richard Cote, Lou Lafredo, Jacob Doherty, all here today. Lou, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's um, 90-something degrees, the wind is blowing, and hopefully it's blowing in the blowing the fires back on themselves here in New Mexico and we're going to do a whole lot better. So thanks. Yeah, no, I've been keeping a close eye on that. looks like the uh, fire activity is just just improving just a hair. So that's, that's good news. I I love just keeping tabs on my, my home state there. Jacob, how are things in Edmonton? I hear you had a a rough game one. Yes. I had a very, very rough week. (laughs) (laughs) And that was just a cherry on top. (laughs) Well, I I mean, did did you get fired for showing up to work on time? Not this time. I just injured myself. (laughs) And and for the listeners, it was not serious, right? No, not a serious. Okay, good. All right. Just, just to get that out of the way. Uh, listeners, I do have a little bit of a rant today. Um, it is the, the current situation here in Colorado. Um, and in fact, it took notice of one Adam Minnick yesterday, as he had messaged me and Lonnie asking, uh, the same question I have going on right now, what is going on, Colorado, Colorado weather, go home. You're drunk. It was 90 degrees yesterday. It is snowing today. We are getting inches of snow today in Denver you know, foot or more up in the mountains. It, it we're at the end. We're towards the end of May. Stop it! <laughs> like I, I, I'm not discouraging snow. I, I love snow, but 90 degrees to snow in 24 hours—that is just that's nuts. Again, it's, we go, can't go sleep buy it off. A, we can't buy a flake or a drop. <laughs> <laughs> and you're uh, getting a foot. That's just that's just crazy. In the mountains. I mean, there are some models that are showing Denver could get 10 plus inches out of this. I don't think any of all that's going to accumulate because it's been so warm. But um, yeah, it's um, it, it's snowing at the end of May. Not unheard of. Rare, but not unheard of for Colorado. But yeah, seriously, Colorado weather, go sleep it off. You're drunk. Yeah. All right. Let, let's uh, let's go into the minor leagues. Uh, we have playoff action uh, plenty. Uh, we can start in the ECHL in the quest for the Kelly Cup. We are in the conference finals. Um, and I believe last time we met, Lou, you and I made some predictions on who we believe is going to go on and uh, you know hoist the Kelly Cup this year. Uh, we happened to pick them in different conferences. And mm-hmm. you know what? The two teams we picked have moved on to their conference finals. So you and I, we're, we're still alive. Uh, I don't know. Sh- should we reveal... Who, who we picked? Did we say we were going to reveal that last time? Um, yeah, I, actually, yes. For the next uh, for the next time the second line got together, so um, uh, the first per, first pick goes to you. 
Who did you go for? Okay, uh, so listeners, the the finals are in the Eastern Conference. We have the Newfoundland Growlers and the Florida Everblades. In the Western Conference, we have the Toledo Walleye and the Utah Grizzlies. If anybody can guess before I say it, <laughs> who I picked, it was the Newfoundland Growlers. Because come on, who you can't pick against them? They're they're a giant jar of beer. <laughs> oh no, they're a dog. They need to change yes. that. Yes. Lou, who did you have? Yes. I had the Toledo Walleye. I am happy to see them in the Western Conference final against uh, Utah, uh, despite the anthropomorphism of <laughs> uh, a walleye and a grizzly <laughs> managing to hold hockey sticks. <laughs> hey, hey, to the grizzly's credit, he's breaking the hockey stick. He's not holding true. it. This so is true. He's in this true, true. bare yeah. fashion there. Yeah. And, uh, the, and fish, the walleye is... Yeah, he's wearing a helmet. <laughs> he's wearing a helmet, holding a stick, and he's got teeth. He's missing yeah, one, yeah. but he's got teeth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, um, you know, spoiler alert coming up here. Uh, Newfoundland's up one nothing in game one over the Florida Everblades So uh, in the second period. So um, things are still looking up for the Growlers as they move towards the Kelly Cup. Um yeah, game one has just started for the Growlers. I believe uh, game one for the Walleye is set to start here any moment. Uh, we should be getting a score update on them shortly. Uh, maybe we'll get in that uh, in as we record this on Friday, May 20th. Yeah. So uh, that that's the, the latest of the Kelly Cup uh, playoffs going on right now. Let's go over to the AHL and the Calder Cup playoffs. Um, we are in the divisional uh, finals, the division finals, um, round three Atlantic division. We have the Charlotte checkers versus the Springfield Thunderbirds. I, I love the Thunderbirds for doing that isotopes Jersey. Just that, mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Uh, in the North division, the Laval rockets and the Rochester Americans in the central division, the Chicago wolves. Okay. Yeah. No sponsor and the <laughs> Milwaukee admirals. And in the Pacific division, we have the Stockton heat and the Colorado Eagles. Um, I, I was just kind of looking through the teams who have, who've gone on through the first round, second round, third round um, Lou, one team I, I kind of want to spot is the, uh, the Rochester Americans. They are the only team from the first round to have advanced this far taking out uh, the Utica Comets in the second round and the Belleville Senators. Um, Have you noticed anything special out of the Americans or is this just kind of, um, you know, blind mouse finding the cheese? No. Well, I think it's a little bit of that and just a little bit of this team came together at the right time. I think they're playing with a lot of emotion. Um, I think too, that the, um, that the region of Rochester and and the team for whom they are the uh, AHL affiliate, the Buffalo Sabers, there's some there's some push there to uh, do something special this season. Um, you know, after the shootings um, mm-hmm. up in Buffalo, so uh, the Mercs have got an awful lot um, of emotion packed into this uh, into those first two rounds wins especially against the Utica Comets. I mean, the, the Comets were, uh, if not the best, the second best team uh, in the AHL this season. Um, they were just lights out most of the season, but uh, somehow or another, although the, the, the final game was an overtime loss, 
Uh, in fact, I think there were two overtime games in that series and um, uh, the Mercs won both of them. So that's really the reason why they, they pushed on. Yeah. Um, and quick fun fact, if anybody is curious about this and the teams who are left in the playoffs, we have three teams who are undefeated in the playoffs right now who have made it to the third round. All of them had the first round by, but the Chicago Wolves, 3-0, uh, Springfield Thunderbirds, 3-0, Colorado Eagles, 3-0. I'm sorry, we have four teams. And the Stockton Heat, also 3-0, mm-hmm. um, sweeping their uh, first opponents in the second round, moving on to the second round or the third round. Uh, which we have action starting on Saturday. So tomorrow, May 21st, is when round three of the Calder Cup playoffs start. Okay, let's let's talk a little NHL, because I believe we are also in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, we had, I don't know about you guys, we had an exciting first round. We had five uh, seven-game series. We had two... Uh, I know six game series and we had one sweep in the first round. That is, I I didn't mind the first round one bit. I mean, yes, Colorado was that one sweep. So that was a little bittersweet for me. I did want to see a little bit more hockey out of, uh, out of Colorado in the first round, but getting past that first round, getting to the second round was, uh, was all the much sweeter. Um, But I don't know your guys' impressions on, on what we saw in the first round. We'll talk about the second round here in just a second. Uh, actually, I want to start with Jacob. What were your impressions on the first round matchups? A lot of them were a lot closer than I expected. I expected a lot of um, blowouts or a few blowouts rather. And the one blowout that I didn't expect that became a, a series sweep was Colorado. I, I thought they would be a bit start, uh, slower out of the gates, but no, they just destroyed and, and even series that should have not been nearly as close between um, the two Canadian teams with Calgary and uh, Dallas and Edmonton versus LA were both very entertaining series, especially with Louis Rangers and his Penguins. So it was a really great series for hockey. And it even with our in early indications of the second round, it's going to be even better going forward. Yeah, uh, I mean, that... That Edmonton LA series, I I was shocked that LA was even like competing in that. I thought Edmonton was just going to blow them out of the water. I thought that was for sure gentlemen sweep five games, you know, move on. Um, I didn't think LA stood a chance against you know the offensive juggernaut that is the Edmonton Oilers. But um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to take a little dig at, at your goaltender, Mike Smith's going to Mike Smith, so uh, he kind of did. And we, we saw that happen in the uh, first game of the second round as well. Um, but, you know, he has a chance for redemption tonight. Lou, what were your takeaways in the first round? What surprised you the most? Uh, what surprised me were the number of, of um, seven-game series. Um, I expected a lot of four, uh, four-two series wins. Um, the Florida Panthers were the, were the one that really surprised me in the first round that they had so much difficulty against the Caps, Washington Capitals. And we now see why they had so much difficulty uh, because we'll be talking about that in a couple of minutes here, but um, they, they just extended that out. Um, 
I will say that I had picked the Toronto Maple Leafs to get past the first round this season. And they almost did. <laughs> but, they almost did the last five years. <laughs> you know, I know, I know. But this one, this one, but Jacob, this one felt different. Um, I guess they weren't playing Boston. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Just... And, and uh, um, as far as I'm concerned, the New York Rangers are now playing with house money to have gotten past the first round. Uh, with this with this team as young as they are and inexperienced as as the entire team is with um, playoff hockey, um, they're still one year ahead of what the the uh, franchise had as a as a as a as a uh, rebuilt plan. So um, it, they're playing on house money and they played a pretty good first game the other night. Yeah, I was going to say they they look pretty darn good against Carolina in that first game of the second round. Um, they did have me a little worried in that first round, what they were down three games to one yeah. at one point. And uh, to be honest, in, in my bracket challenge, I have them coming out as the Eastern conference champions. So well, no kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I took a gamble on them. I, I, well, there is something about this Rangers team that I really like. And well, I, I don't have as much confidence in Tampa Bay as I have in years past. Um, I, I feel like they just might be a little too battered, too weathered. Um, uh, you know, they're still a strong team and, and we'll, we'll get, we'll touch on them here in just a minute, but, um, there's just something about the Rangers that I really liked and for them to win three straight to move on. That is what surprised me the most. Once they got into that three, one hole, I'd written them off. I'm like, all right, they are done. Stick a fork in them. I mean, they've done really well this season surpassed my expectations, of how the Rangers were going to do this year. But, um, you know, they, they just, they, that, that was my big surprise of, of the first round was the fact that the Rangers were able to come back and, and overcome that deficit. So, yeah, well, you're not a Rangers fan <clears throat> and, and I am. <laughs> and usually it's, you know, the first, it's the puck drop of the, of the playoffs and they're eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I'll it, put an asterisk on that. I am not a, not, I'm not a New York Rangers fan. I, I am know, a Texas Rangers fan yeah, in yeah. baseball, but that means nothing on this podcast. So yeah. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that, that that's, that's my big, big shock in, uh, in round in the first round. Um, let, let's talk about these games in round two. We already had the, the first matchups between uh, the Rangers and the hurricanes and the, the Oilers and the flames. Let's touch on these two series first. Uh, Jacob, because you were so close to one of these teams in Edmonton, let's talk about game one. I I know on paper it was a giant blowout, nine to six. Um, But, you know, Edmonton did come back and tie that game. That, you know, that had to give you some hope about how the rest of the series might go. See, I want to believe that. <laughs> I want to agree with you. No, I am being serious. I, I want to agree because it does show that Jacob Markstrom has not been as great as he has been in the past, especially against Edmonton um, in the regular season and in the playoffs, even against Dallas, he was looking not even that great. I was not really impressed with Dallas. Um during the first round and to see Edmonton somehow scrape together four goals in the second period. 
it was it's a it should be a bit of a wake up call for the Calgary Flames. While the Flames ended up running back away with it, I, I feel like it wasn't as over as if the first five minutes of the series just stopped. <laughs> right. Um and, and like they and the rest of the series was just them coasting off that. But I don't know how this series is going to end. I think game two will definitely show us a lot more. And if Mike Smith has that massive blunder again, I don't think this series is going to last long because Mike Smith needs to be the same Mike Smith that he was against LA because he was lights out against LA. But against Calgary last game, he uh, let in technically the least amount of goals. So. <laughs> <laughs> made seven saves yeah right <laughs> yeah but he only let in three goals Oscar <laughs> did let in six or five sorry I think one right. of them was an empty net yes and um, Markstrom let in six so you know yeah um. <laughs> win the goaltending battle right there you go you, you gotta win something <laughs> um, yeah now this this series this one is going to be hard for me to to gauge um because as much as I don't have confidence in uh the Oilers goaltending uh, I also don't have a lot of confidence in Markstrom able to hold off the top scorers in the league that are on the same team like the the Oilers have so much talent up front and so much scoring capability that I don't really care who you put in front of them. Any given night, they can rack up four or five goals. You put the best goalie in front of them. He might keep them to three. So, you know, Calgary has got to find a way to score five, six goals a game. And even Mike Smith might not let in that much every game. So, um, you know, th- this is going to be a high scoring affair, and, uh, you know, whoever moves on is, is just going to be exhausted, you know, facing the Blues or the or the Avs in in the Western Conference final. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I think this one is a lot closer than I thought it would be initially, uh, especially after that, you know, that first period of game one is like, oh, Calgary's going to run all over them to, to see Edmonton, Edmonton come back in uh, tie it in the second um, and then eventually lose nine to six. I mean. It's it's a downer, but that gave me hope that that Edmonton can compete with the Flames. Um, Lou, what were your thoughts on Game One? What what stood out to you most between these two teams? That it, that Edmonton does not have a goaltending tandem to lean on. Yeah. Um, um, I I would argue with. Jacob that uh, Mike Smith played lights out in four games and in the three losses, he was the reason for the losses, uh, including the, that gaff um, uh, that put the Kings up three to two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Game one. Was it game? Was it the game one gaff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, in the end, I don't think, uh, LA 
uh, belonged in the series. There was there really wasn't a chance. They, um, they just didn't belong. But Mike Smith gave them the chance, and uh, to his credit, um, uh, Jonathan Quick. I I thought Jonathan Quick was the one who actually played lights out and kept the Kings in the series. For sure. Yeah. Um, which, and um, something of a surprise for me. I didn't think uh, Quickie had uh, all of that left in the tank. I, you know, he surprised me that in this entire season. Uh, uh, Jonathan Quick, I thought was you know past his prime, which you know he, he's getting up there in goaltending years, um, and he's playing like he did five years ago you know, when they were cup contenders, when they won the cup, he was, he was playing at that caliber mm-hmm. um, all season. So to see him come into the playoffs and still, you know, keep pushing that, um, you know, that, that made me a little happy. I, I like seeing, you know, when goaltenders find their second wind in, in a season. So um, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, all right. Let's talk the uh, the second series that we have going on uh, today as we're recording this on May 20th, and that is the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricane, um, or Hurricanes, sorry. Um, Lou, this one, uh, this one sits a little close to your heart as yeah. it is your, your Rangers. Um, what did you notice out of game one uh, on, on either side? What, what really stuck out to you? Um, probably some tentativeness on both sides, uh, feeling each other out. I was a little surprised that, uh, Carolina did not take advantage of their game one hosting game one and come out faster and harder in the game. I thought their start was slow. Um, but that was also encouraged by the fact that Igor Shesterkin was, you know, talk about lights out to overuse a cliche, I guess, but, uh, he was stunning. Um, and you know, the, the kid line, um, or the kids on this team, on the Rangers team are the ones that put, uh, you know, Alexi Lafreniere fed, uh, Filipino, uh, for that first goal in the, in the opening frame. Um, and it was just, you know, they, they held on to that until what was it? Uh, there were two and a half minutes left, two mm-hmm. minutes, 43 seconds, something like that left in the game before um, Carolina tied it and then won it on a, on a, of all things, a deflection in, in overtime. I thought they were far more balanced, far more even uh, from a team, per, team perspectives um, than I had expected. Um, as I said earlier, I think the Rangers are playing with, with house money and, um, whatever they do the rest of the way, it's, it's all good. This is preparing for the future. So that's my take. All right. Uh, Jacob, your thoughts on this series. I, th- I think uh, a team like Carolina is definitely built to win now, but I do believe that lose Rangers are built to win in the future. But as of today, I do think Carolina is the more complete team. Just circum, uh standing on his head is not something you can do in a seven-game series and hope to win, especially when you're only scoring one goal. Yeah. So, and that's that's without um, 
they're the Carolina starting goaltender. Um, Freddie Anderson's still out. Mm-hmm. Ranta is more than likely probably playing hurt because playoffs. So it isn't a great thing for the Rangers in respects of this series, but down the road, it's fine. Um, they're keeping up. Their depth is actually, from what I've seen, I, I wasn't able to watch the full game, unfortunately, but their depth was keeping up reasonably well. And their kids playing like for uh, Lafreniere and Kako playing 14 and 15 minutes respectively. Not bad. Yeah. It's something you like to see, especially in playoffs. And they were holding their own too. They sure were. And th- this coming off of a seven game series for the Rangers, you know, yeah. I, I'm not shocked that they dropped game one in, in the series against Carolina, just given how much they've had to win, you know, in the last week. So, uh, you know, maybe this is the time where they, you know, let that pressure relief valve go and, you know, get that, that first loss out of the way and say, okay, let's regroup. We were just feeling out Carolina to see, you know, how they're playing in the playoffs, how they come out in game one and what adjustments we can make in game two. Um, and we'll talk about this coming up next. Um, I think they, what gives me hope for uh, the Rangers in game two is how St. Louis bounced back in game two in their series against Colorado. Cause if you remember Colorado in game one, just dominated puck control and mm-hmm. they absolutely dominated that game. Um, and St. Louis comes out game two, you know, they, they tweak a few things. They, they find out how Colorado was playing their game in the playoffs um, how they came out in game one, uh, St. Louis comes out game two, makes those adjustments and comes away with a four, one win in game two. So I'm, I'm not terribly down on the Rangers, especially after they ended their last series in seven games. I think, um, this was kind of inevitable, but it was kind of the best possible situation for them to come into game one. So that's my, that's my take on that one. Um, speaking of those series, we have two more, uh, We saw game two of those series last night, Florida and Tampa Bay, Colorado and St. Louis. Um, Just because I segued a little bit to it, uh, let's talk about the Colorado St. Louis series. Um, Jacob, uh, I don't know how much you've been able to see of that particular series, but um, what are your impressions on how that one's going? Um, I don't know how to feel, honestly. (laughs) It definitely is two different teams playing two different styles of hockey. And I don't know. It looks like in the first game, um, Colorado especially was trying to, was making St. Louis play more their style. And then uh, from the bits that I saw in the second game, Colorado came out and forced them to play Colorado's style of hockey. So, you know, I, I, I'm more curious to hear your opinions, actually, Richard. Okay. Um, well, I, as somebody who follows the Avalanche quite closely here, I am a little worried for the Avalanche fans when it comes to the reemergence of uh, Jordan Bennington. He has played fantastic ever since he came back into the playoffs. Um, he is looking like the Stanley Cup champion he was three years ago. Uh, with the blues. So that does worry me a little bit. Um, as far as game one versus game two with the avalanche, I think 
uh, game one, St. Louis saw, you know, kind of Colorado fully rested, firing on all cylinders, you know, playing a very fast paced game that they've played all season long. Um, and these two teams have only played each other three times during the regular season. So they didn't get a whole lot of look at them, um, during the season. So right now, game one, I, I think it was St. Louis kind of feeling out Colorado, seeing how they would come out, made the adjustments for game two, and they took away Colorado's ability to, you know, to make those speedy plays to, you know, gain that momentum going into the offensive zone. They really crowded the players and forced really, really bad turnovers. Um, like Colorado had, I think, eight turnovers in that game and they were just really bad force turnovers. So, um, and I think one, one of them uh, led to the third goal in the game for St. Louis. So um, that was, that was really a killer for Colorado. Cause that was a two, one game at that point. Um, I think Colorado's adjustments is, you know, they need to figure out a way to shorten up their passes because they're making super long stretch passes. And that's, what's really, you know, biting them in the butt. Uh, they need to figure out how to make, to shorten up those passes to make quicker, um, you know, changes of possession and to try and keep that momentum going into the, the offensive zone. So that that's my take. I, I think Colorado can make those adjustments. And I think we're going to see a, a very, very evenly matched two teams in game three. Uh, Lou, your impressions. Mm. I agree with with you that uh, game one was the was the feeling out by St. Louis of what, how the series was going to go. Uh, having you know been in the playoffs, they they aren't new to the playoffs, and understanding that it's a seven game series, you can take one and and figure out what your opposition is going to do. But I thought game two was just punishing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the probably the best term for how St. Louis played. Um, and those were forced, un, um, forced errors and unforced errors on the part of uh, uh, the Avs last night. Uh, really, are what led to the led to the loss. And it was it was Cairo who, spent, who uh, scored the third goal, right off of that uh, miscue. Um, um, I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know that was the killer. That's the one that was the the sort of dagger in the uh, that ripped the sails um, that the Az were trying to put some wind in. Yeah, don't you like those mixed metaphors? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but that's uh, um, I, I just thought it was a punishing game last night, and that's where I think St. Louis will excel. And um, you know, Jacob, you said you know a little nervous about it or you, you, you're not sure which way it's going to go. I, I think Avs fans um, hmm, probably ought to be nervous after last night. The thing I also noticed about this series is their fourth line hasn't even played close to 10 minutes in either game. No. And every other playoff team that I've seen has it, has their players playing especially their forwards playing almost 10 minutes uh, a game. All, every single player on that roster mm-hmm. with a handful of, ex- of exceptions. But when St. Louis can run four lines and run four lines confidently and you can't, 
you're forcing guys like McKinnon and Rantanen to in Landeskog to for to play for a long time. And you're going to get gassed towards the third period. And while there wasn't really uh, much in the way of game one for uh, punishment, game two, Colorado scored three goals in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> St. Louis scored uh, yeah. two goals in the last 10 minutes. And that's something you have to be very, very, very concerned about. You know, I, I don't take too much stock in that last goal because that was an empty net goal. So, oh, was it? Yeah, yeah that, was, that was an empty netter. Um, and a uh, quick, quick correction. Uh, it was David Perron who had the, uh, the third goal. He had the second and third goal for St. Louis. Cairo right. had the first goal of the evening uh, for, for St. Louis. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I, I got to give credit to St. Louis. They did a very good job of jamming up uh, McKinnon and Landeskog, uh, two players who were able to skate around you you know, with the puck or, you know, two or three of your teammates as well. If you give them the room, St. Louis didn't give them the room and they have the players and the personnel who can stay, you know, up close with a McKinnon or with a Landeskog or with a Rantanen. Um, so I think Colorado's going to have to tweak how they're using those three pieces. And, um, and this game will, will be a, a completely different game once they figure that out. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, and, and my, my advice to the, the avalanche fans who, who might be listening, you know, don't fret too much over game two. Uh, these are two very physical central division teams who played very similar teams throughout the season, Minnesota, very same way, uh, very physical team, um, Nashville was also extremely physical during the regular season. So these are just teams who are going to beat you, beat you, beat you up. And, uh, you just hope to, to come out on top. So, um, I have faith that, uh, that Colorado can turn it around game three, not sure what's going to happen game four, but I feel like series is coming back to Colorado tied at two. That's, that's my way too early prediction. All right, let's talk uh, probably the team who's in the most dire straits right now, the Florida Panthers. Uh, President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers may be getting the kiss of death from said trophy. Um, honestly, I don't believe in the curse of the President's Trophy, but here we are. Uh, Lightning lead the uh, the series two games to one. Uh, Florida, or sorry, two games to none. Thank you, Lou. Um I, I was looking at the score where it said three to one. Uh, so their last game, uh, Tampa won three to one. Um, Lou, what what are your thoughts? Like, how 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 must Florida be feeling right now uh, to be down zero and two to the defending Stanley Cup champs? Um, I. <clears throat> is weed legal in Florida? No, it is not. It's not. So they don't have that as an excuse. <laughs> um, they do have moonshine. These, these were two of the worst performances by a president's cup winning team. I have ever witnessed. I, there was no granted. There's no, also no life in the building. I, um, the, I, I don't know what their attendance, their their real attendance is for the the two games, but that first game was like watching paint dry. Um, <laughs> there was there was no life on that team. Um, 
the the second game last night was even less enthusiastic um and and to have given up a goal with 3.8 seconds left in regulation um and leave uh, Ross uh, Colton open. <laughs> he could have made a sandwich, brewed a cup of co- a pot of coffee <laughs> from a Carrick machine, and then thought about maybe, you know, am I going to go left, right, or top shelf? He went top shelf. He had all that time to do that in uh, before 3.8 seconds um, had elapsed. Um, is unconscionable. And the real reason that they are they had difficulty with the caps and are losing this series 02 is they are 0 for 25 on the power play. Yeah, 0 for 25 on the power play in the in the postseason. How is that possible? Oof. That that is where you need it the most. <laughs> oh. And they've given up a couple of shorties. Yeah. Well, oh. the best part is their power play percentage in the regular season was fifth best in the league. Yes. Yeah. 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 I was hoping you would pick that up, Jacob. It's just, <laughs> you know, it, how does that happen? And even with their attendance, technically, they have the most fans in their stadium, according to Hockey Reference, in the league. They're averaging more people in that building than anyone else. I, I don't put too much stock in, in attendance numbers because I, to be honest, I don't feel like that affects your performance on the ice, especially oh. when you're a, you're a team like Florida, who who is stacked, who did fantastic during the regular season, um, struggled in the first round, and now is finding themselves struggling again in the second round. Um, and to, to lose points, uh, you know, how you leave a player that wide open because you decide to double team a guy behind the net, it, you know, you, you always play the pass. You, if there's one guy on, on the guy with the puck, you play the pass. You, you don't try and double team him, especially that late in the game. Like you're at that point, you're just trying to play some prevent defense. You're not trying to create a turnover. There's not enough time for you to go down the ice and score. So I don't know what was going through the mind of the defenseman there, but here we are, 0-2 in, in that series. Um, th- th- this brings me to my, my next question, and uh, we'll, we'll get to some other NHL news here in just a second. Um, right now, I'm thinking there is probably um, – at least I have an answer to this question. I'm going to start with you, Lou. Mm. Who is the most dangerous team left in the playoffs? Wow. They all have flaws. I, if I picked one team that I want to pick, I'd be labeled a homer. Uh, St. Louis. <laughs> okay. I'll go St. Louis. I have to, just to get it out of the East. <laughs> Jacob, um, who is the most dangerous team left in the playoffs? Part of me wants, I, I will give an all real mention to Edmonton, but I think Carolina right now. Okay. I think Carolina as the um, playoffs go on at the threat of Freddie Anderson returning and uh, anti-Ranta getting healthier is enough to scare anyone. Okay. Um, 
That was not where I was going with this. I'm thinking it's Tampa Bay. They get out of the first round. They're on a roll. They're already up two games to nothing in their series. This is starting to scare me because once we see Tampa Bay start stringing together wins in the playoffs, they tend to not stop until they win the cup, at least in the last two years. Um, I, I, I will say, Richard, if you do look back and take a step back, the teams, if they do make it past this round, the teams that they would have beaten is Florida and Toronto. Hey, two very good teams going into the playoffs. But in the playoffs, right? So th- oh. there is that advocacy, but yeah. I, I how, how much of that <laughs> is that they flopped in the playoffs or how much of that is they have faced a very, very difficult Tampa Bay team? I think it depends how the rest of the series turns out, really. I, I think it's the latter. I, I'm not putting a whole lot of flaw on okay, Florida's game one was just horrendous. Game two, they played decent, but they faced an extremely difficult team who is on a roll. Toronto ha- looked like they were getting ready to wrap up that series, had to go to a game seven, played a very tight game seven until Tampa Bay blew it open. So I... I don't know. I feel like Tampa Bay to me, my money is like, they are my most dangerous team. That is the team I do not want to face. And uh, that, that goes for the Western conference as well, because if you're facing them in the Stanley cup, you got big problems because Tampa Bay is on a roll at that point. Um, But I I would like to hear, I I know Lou said he just wanted to throw a name out to get out of the East, but I I would like to hear some justification on, uh, on St. Louis. Why, why are they your most, dangerous team because they they play i think the far more physical game of the eight left Fair and enough. Uh, that's why i labeled last night's game as as um a punishing game that was you know, obviously they wanted to get uh uh get the the series even at one but um for them, it was about paying having that punishing game pay dividends down the line. Again, they know that it's a seven-game series. The first game was that was the the feeling out. All right, it's a gimme, but we can come back home with home ice advantage in a in a, in a series tied one-one. Um, of the eight that are left, um, to me, they are the strongest because if you. I, I don't know that anyone is playing except for the Blues um, at the same level that they were in the regular season. And I don't count the Nashville sweep. Nashville did not have a starting goaltender uh, injuries. They, they, they played one good game and that was the, the game four was an overtime loss. Uh, so, game two, I believe was the overtime okay. loss. Um I'm getting old. Um, um, that that series was a foregone conclusion. Um, I, I I just don't think Nashville played to the level that they were supposed to have played, and I don't know that anyone over in the East played exceptionally well or or played a series that mirrored their regular season. Now you mentioned that 
game two in the uh, Blues and Avs series was a, a punishing game for the Avs, but the Avs out hit the Blues 45 to 38. Like, I, I, I they did, I, I will agree with you, they did play extremely physical, um, but I think more in the sense is they were able to, to crowd the Avalanche players and prevent them from doing what they do best. I think that's, that was my best way of thinking of it as a physical sort of game, 38 hits. That's nothing to, to, to sneeze at, but um, just to throw that out there, the Avs did out hit the blues 45 to 38. Um, Yeah. um, Seven hits. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, No, I, 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 Listen, those could have been the worst seven hits that anybody that anybody took, right? Right. They weren't. Um, they weren't. But they could have been. Um, I, it, you know, it's the giveaways, takeaways, mm-hmm. and what results from the hits. Is it, you know, it's just something in the corners? Um, I think the Blues played uh, to gain, uh, played that hitting style to gain advantage, and it was the turnovers. Yeah. All right. Um, and Jacob, you, you justified the, uh, the hurricanes as they're getting healthier. Yeah. So, and also they're just such a really good team. They are a really good team and a really deep team too. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it, if we get, if we are fortunate enough to get a matchup between Tampa Bay and Carolina for the Eastern conference final, Ooh, <laughs> I'm excited. Um, all right. So we're up to date on what's going on in the Stanley cup playoffs. Let's talk a little bit of uh, end of the season housekeeping. Uh, we have a few teams who don't currently have a head coach either due to firings, resignings or other. Um, let's start with the, uh, the most recent one to come down. And uh, it is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Rick bonus for the, um, the Dallas stars has decided to step down as head coach. Uh, so the stars are going to be looking for a new head coach coming up, whether it's going to be somebody they bring up from their assistant staff as an interim or whether they hire someone in the offseason. We don't know yet because this just came down um, about noon mountain time today. So um, we'll, we still have more to figure out with that. Um, let's try, I'll try and go chronological next one was a uh, an official firing um and this one probably not as much of a surprise to anybody in the hockey world uh peter DeBoer for the vegas golden knights um you know what when you're the head coach of a team who uh, misses the playoffs for the first time in the franchise history you deserve the axe i mean that that is a storied franchise that goes back many a many a months in a few years. Um, what a historic feat by Peter DeBoer. <laughs> exactly. He is. Yeah. He is the first Vegas golden Knights head coach to miss the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody is really too terribly heartbroken over this one, but um, yeah. So the Vegas golden Knights will be uh, looking for a new head coach. Uh, Mike Yao for the Philadelphia flyers. Also uh, not coming back next season. Um, I don't think that one's terribly shocking. <clears throat> Sound like the writing was on the wall yeah. for for that one for a good chunk of the season. Well, he was nearly. He was nearly. He was. He was not labeled interim 
but he also wasn't the permanent. Right. He was just a coach. He wasn't the head coach. Yeah. Uh, from when uh, Elaine Vigneault, uh was fired. And then um, looks like the uh, Detroit Red Wings are uh, also still looking for a head coach. They still have an opening uh, because of Jeff Blaschel, who had uh, been departed with the team. Uh, and I believe uh, Lonnie and I talked about this last week. Uh, if you didn't tune in last week, um, Barry Trotz also no longer head coach, uh, at least in in New York. Uh, Islanders parted ways with him. That one was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, he's been there four seasons. It's the first season he's missed the playoffs. Granted, they didn't have the greatest season, but they also had a few uphill battles, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah. So uh, we, we know of at least a few head coaches who are on the open market. Um, Lou, I want to, I want to toss this out to you first. Let's talk, let's talk Dallas stars team with, mm. we know playoff potential because they just exited the playoffs. Who would be a good fit? Who on the open market right now would be a good fit for the Dallas stars? Um, open market. The one that, well, you know what? I, the, the one firing I was disappointed about was Detroit. Uh, Blaschel, I thought held that team together despite, uh, the ups and downs of the season. Uh, they were doing very well, very well early on. Um, you know, what the, Hey, Blaschel in Dallas. Blaschel in Dallas. Okay. I could wait. Um, yeah, I could see that. Jacob, let's, let's pick another team in this, uh, wheel of, uh, openings here. <laughs> um, let's look at the flyers. Who could be a good fit? Ooh, that'd be a tough one. But if you really want to go through a deep rebuild and you just need someone to make a team competitive, to motivate the players, to make sure that everyone in Philadelphia, that's a part of the Flies organization, gets up in the morning, maybe Jeff Blaschel's not a bad idea. Um, that's a, that's a tricky one. I I got one off the top of my head here. Um, a guy who not concerned about, uh, you know, wins and losses as far as his, uh, his success goes. Uh, I hear Peter DeBoer is looking for a job. (laughs) Flyers. I think he's more suited for Dallas. (laughs) And the reason why, the reason why I say that is because they're a team that is aging that is probably looking to retool to go for another run. So why not have Peter DeBoer? Um, Isn't that what Vegas tried doing? <laughs> it's what Sorry. Vegas tried doing. In San Jose? Um, you know, you know, I don't know how much pull they would have for this or if, if he would be interested. I do know of a, a head coach who is uh, looking for a job unless I, I missed a, uh, I could have missed him being hired in the last season or so. Um, Claude Julian. I could see him going to Dallas if hmm. they had the pull, the money, and that was what he was looking for. I, I think he could be a good fit there. Just given what, he, what he's done in Boston and in Montreal, I think he could be a good fit for a team who is a, you know, a potential playoff contender each year. 
and pushing them over the edge and further into the playoffs? Well, now that you've got opened the door, <clears throat> let's go to an old chestnut. All right. John Tortorella. I was waiting for his name to come up. <laughs> I was John actually Tortorella. thinking of him for Philadelphia, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I said. Philadelphia. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. We're on in, the same put, page. Yeah. Because, because <laughs> no one in their right mind is going to take that job. <laughs> okay. Exactly. How Tortorella's extremely hilarious will the post game interviews be if he is head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers? <sighs> How many and, reporter cell phones is he going to take and say, no, 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 no. And how long does he last? <laughs> Two seasons. <laughs> Two? Two. Oh, well, I, I, don't, I wouldn't give him the first. You, you give him one, and then you give him a courtesy second. Okay. Um, I, I think before he just completely flies off the handle and just loses it. Uh, but he's going to – if he does go to Philadelphia, I think he has a really good first season, and then things start tailing off after that. So, um, <laughs> Not that, without a good goaltender. I'm sorry, but Philadelphia is the place where goaltending careers go to die. I just, just given his coaching history, he always has a good like first one or two years yeah. and then it just agreed downhill from there. Um, but yeah, Tortorella that, okay. Yeah, sure. Philadelphia, I'm, you know, all, all joking aside, I would actually like to see him there. I, I think, um, you know, mentally and, you know, his coaching style, I think would be, Again, seriously, a good fit for Philadelphia. What about Dave Tippett? Okay. Looking at the roster, I think Dave Tippett would be a reasonable um, signing there because they want to probably play a bit more of a defensive style, shut down hockey. Maybe that would work out. Maybe. Okay. Would be a bit of a reach, though. It I, I would be. <laughs> I mean... If we're throwing wild speculations out, which is what we love to do on this podcast, mm. I'm open to it. I like it. I like it. Um, let's talk uh, opening in um, uh, in. De- we did talk about Detroit, uh, Vegas. Not, not replacement. Did we? we have, talk oh, yeah, that's right. We have not talked a no. replacement. Um, yeah, replacement in Detroit. Um, Jacob just took my. My, who would have been my recommendation in Detroit. So we'll leave him aside, but Rick Tockett. Okay. Up nice. in Detroit. What's that? Yeah, it's a good idea. That's a good pick. I, I would like to see Rick Tockett up there. The All team right. is so close. Um, goaltending needs to improve. Do you think it might be another um, situation with uh, the New York Islanders and Barry Trotz where goaltending had to improve in New York and somehow, some way Barry Trotz just magically made that team just such a fantastic um, defensive team that had a really good structure for a long time. Um. So you, you're talking about Barry Trotz to Detroit. Yeah. I wonder if he fits there. He could. Um, yeah. I could see it. Does he get along with Iserman? I don't see why not. Hmm. Okay. I, 
I think he would, you know, the more I think of it, Jacob, I think you're onto something good here. Um, because with trots, you, you could trust him to kind of, yeah, take over some of the younger talent coming in. And he knows a thing or two about, you know, you know, turning that young talent and actually helping out with a rebuild, which is what Detroit's in right now. So I like your thinking. I, I, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't have him on my list for any of these, but I like him in Detroit. Hmm. Yeah. I also have him in one more spot that um, wouldn't be bad. That will, I think you'll get to, right? What's that? Winnipeg still has a vacancy. They do have oh. a vacancy. And I think also, hell, even Paul Maurice in Detroit, just actually, now that I think about it, Paul Maurice in Detroit would also be great. Actually, Paul yeah. Maurice in Dallas. What, what do I think? Paul Maurice in Dallas would be perfect. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, by the way, I believe that the Winnipeg Jets are talking with their interim coach, Dave Lowry. They did interview Trust earlier this week, so yeah, that, that's the only reason why I say that. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. So who else do we have open? We 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 have uh, the the one that sparked the conversation, the Vegas oh. Golden Knights. We we yeah. haven't figured out who their uh, replacement for the uh, departing DeBoer is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's the shiniest head coach out there. The, the, the shyest? Shiniest. Oh, shiniest. shiniest. I mean, I think that would have to be Claude Julian, but. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know what? Uh, Jacob just brought his name up, Paul Maurice, in Vegas. I, th- okay. I, I don't believe this is going to happen, but I'm going to live in a fantasy world where it does, just because. Yeah. You have Vegas. You always bring in big names. You want, you know, the biggest, flashiest people running your organizations. Patrick Waugh. Oh, dear God. (laughs) Not going to happen, but just throwing it out there in the universe. That would be funny. It it would be a disaster. Um, You know, fantastic goaltender. And I, I stand by this every time this happens. Great players rarely ever make good coaches rarely ever make good coaches just you know i don't know what it is whether it's they're so set on their pure talent they don't know how to coach that or um you know they just expect so much more out of players than what's realistic i I don't know what it is but i find more often than not if you find a great player to coach you're not going to get a good coach so um but uh, yeah, my fantasy world, Patrick Waugh in, uh, in Vegas. Yeah, I thought for some reason you were going to go with Mike Babcock. Mm, okay. Mike's name has been rattling around in the back of my skull. <laughs> and I, just, I, I was going to put him in Dallas, but I don't know that he's a fit in Vegas. You wouldn't put him in Detroit? I mean, no. <laughs> what acquisition that Vegas has made actually fits their team in the last two years? For Babcock? For anyone. For oh. anyone in that Vegas organization, right? Like, yeah. they will ham-fist whatever, they, whatever ownership or the general manager desires into that team, whether or not it's a good fit. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, that's been proven over and over again. So if they go um, big deer hunting like they have in the past, I wouldn't be surprised to see a big name coach randomly wind up there for a, a very ludicrous, um, lucrative ludicrous. contract. Ludicrous is great. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I'm, I, I'll put it out in, in the universe. Uh, Quebec Ramparts look for a new coach. Patrick Waugh is going to Vegas. All right. Um, so, yeah, those are the vacancies we have in the NHL as far as uh, head coaches. Um, that, that brings us to our bet 99 picks of the week, I believe. Jacob, what do we have going on this week? I, we only have two playoff games, right? Uh, well, it, there's really only one on Saturday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but there is one a matinee game at 1.30 Eastern between the Florida uh, Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning. So for the sake of uh, there's been two games played uh, as a recording, I'll put that in as well, just so we have some more than one pick. Okay. So, Richard, I'm going to start with you. Who would you like to pick between the Colorado Avalanche and St. Louis Blues in game three? Okay, call me a homer all day. I'm going Colorado. Lou, who do you got? Oh, I got the Blues. Oh, really? Damn. I want to say St. Louis. My heart's telling me to say St. Louis, but my brain's telling me to say Colorado. And <laughs> every so often I got to throw my brain a bone. Yep. <laughs> Even though that's unhealthy. <laughs> for our next, for the final game though, uh, for the matinee game, Florida, Tampa, Lou, starting with you this time, who do you got? I, I have a hard time going with anybody other than Tampa. Richard? Same. Got to go Tampa. I think this is the game that Florida has to fight back. And if they don't, it might genuinely be a sweep. Because if they're going down three games to none, still in Tampa Bay, it's over. So I think mm -hmm. do or die time, maybe Florida comes out swinging. We'll see how sustained, sustainable that swing is. But for now, I, I'm going to take Florida and then we'll see what happens after that. But it might, it will be a close game, hopefully. Okay. I, I want to throw, I want to throw a bonus pick in there. And it's going to be who is the first team to leave the second round? Oh boy. I'm going Dude. Florida. Florida's going to get swept. Wow. Hmm. Who do you got? Wow. That's, um, that's, that's predicting some really bad play, but I don't see any of the other seven teams who are left playing as poorly as the Florida Panthers. So Panthers gone. You guys not watch Edmonton? <laughs> I, I, didn't want, I didn't mind. And I don't blame you. I am a cynic and the dent in my headset <laughs> after the first minute of that hockey game feels like it's owed an Edmonton pick here because from the we've only seen one game and I am very critical of the teams I shoot for, uh, especially Edmonton. So I'm going to say that Edmonton from what I've seen in game one is pro is going to get swept. 
harder than Florida does. So hard that they'll go back in time and then get eliminated before Florida did. Uh, oh. Because they play less games. So, or because their games play are played a day after. So if that happens, Everton, I'm going to pick Edmonton, but I, I feel like game two, we'll see. Okay. We'll definitely see. Um, but from what I see, Edmonton. All right. Jeez. There we go. Listeners, those are our uh, Bet99 picks of the week. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at PHN Podcast. And if you want to make your picks, you can use the hashtag PHN Picks. Before we get to our parting thoughts, I would like to thank our newest sponsor to the podcast, Manscaped, for, uh, for bringing you this quality, quality podcast, much like their quality merchandise. If you are feeling a, a little unkempt uh, anywhere on your body, they have the proper tools to take care of hair anywhere on your body. So uh, thank you, Manscaped, for being a sponsor of the Pro Hockey News podcast. All right, parting thoughts. Jacob. You know, speaking of Manscaped, I have a playoff beard. And there's a very deliberate reason why I'm not sharing my camera. Because, oh boy, does it not look good. (laughs) Does he need the weed whacker up there? It needs, it needs Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Pixar, it didn't happen. Well, we'll we'll see at the end. Maybe, maybe if I uh, double down, maybe at some point it will come back and look reasonably decent but (laughs) (laughs) all right Lou yes yes sir parting thought parting thought um I really enjoyed the first round um of the of the playoffs I thought that they were all exciting and and how cool was it to have five uh game sevens um and the Rangers win theirs and in overtime, which was just just sheer joy as a as a Ranger fan uh, for so long, um, and I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Though I don't know how you can do better, so that's my parting thought. All right, uh, my parting thought. Um, so going into the playoffs, I was a little bummed because I don't have cable, so I'm not able to get. TNT, TBS, ESPN. The only games I would be able to get were on ABC. The hang up there is ABC is not going to have any games until the Stanley Cup final. And I have a local team who's in the playoffs who I don't get to watch. So I was a little bummed in the first round being like, well, there are these great games that I don't really get to watch live. I only get to see the, the replays, you know, and you know, I only get to see them maybe if I'm at work. So I was thinking, I was thinking, and uh Total disclosure, not sponsored by uh, by Sling TV in any shape or form. I thought of Sling TV. I thought that is a way for me to get those cable channels so I can watch hockey. And they, I got a discounted promotional um, first month. So I paid a discounted rate to get it for a month. The playoffs will probably be done by then. I can cancel it then. And I get to watch hockey without subscribing to cable. Uh, that made me very happy. And then the first game I got to watch was the Colorado game two against St. Louis. 
and I was not as happy, but still happy hockey was happening. So there is my parting thought for the week. For Lou Lafredo, for Jacob Doherty, I am Richard Cote, and I will see everybody next week.